words, Lord God, penetrate the hard exterior that we sometimes erect between us and you. Lord, have your way in our life today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. In Luke chapter 9, and if you were not here last time, uh, you uh, did not have an opportunity to experience uh, kind of the walkthrough of Luke chapter 9. But nevertheless, in the previous section, Jesus had just asked his disciples who people thought he was. Remember that? He asked the disciples, who do the crowd say that I am? And then he turned around and asked his disciples the same question. Well, who do you say I am? The answer that the disciples gave was different from the answer that the crowd gave. Because they were just throwing darts in the darkness. But the answer that uh, the disciples gave was that Jesus is the Christ. Jesus is Messiah. Recall that Jesus is the Anointed One. Then in Luke chapter 9, verses 21 and 22, take a look. He tells his disciples that even though he is the Christ, even though he is the Messiah, that he must suffer at the hands of the Jewish leaders. Why? Because they rejected him as such. We found out a little bit about that last time as we understood and kind of unraveled the meaning of what Christ meant, the anointed one, Uh, not only uh, locked up in that one word, but what Christ meant to the entire nation as well. So that suffering, uh, Jesus was saying that it would come in the form of being killed, right? So they would kill Jesus, but ultimately, as we know, that Jesus would rise from the dead. You see, That's one thing that, again, that sets Jesus apart from all others. All others, they make uh, tremendous claims in life, saying that they are God, saying that they are a prophet, uh, saying that they are a promised one. But at the end of the day, the thing that sets Jesus apart from all others who are currently six feet under is that Jesus is alive. But with all of that victory and all the hope, now under the belt of the disciples, it was time that they come to a certain reality uh, that if any of us had a choice, we would not choose it. So Jesus begins our current section by setting the groundwork for anyone who is willing to follow him. How many people thought to themselves that, oh, I'll follow Jesus Christ. Uh, You see, if I add 
Jesus Christ to my list of deities that I currently follow, then I'll have all of my religious bases covered. Not realizing that if you say that you will follow Jesus, it requires a cost. Sometimes of things that you really want, it requires a cost. If you want a bachelor's degree, uh, the cost it requires not only money, uh, but that means that you must study to get that degree. Can you say amen? Uh, if you have a job, uh, the cost to your job is that you have to be away from your house uh, probably 8 to 10 hours every single day, amen? And then you have to get there. And then on those days that you don't feel like working, guess what? You got to get up and go to work. So the cost is you have to make yourself do things that typically you don't want to do. That is the cost. Luke chapter 9, beginning in verse 23. And he said to all, this is Jesus speaking to those who are listening to him. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits his soul or himself? For whoever is ashamed of me and of my words of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. But I tell you truly that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God. Back to verse 23. Following Jesus requires a price. Following Jesus requires a price. And are you willing to pay that price to follow him? You see, I don't get it mixed up because salvation is free. Right? We don't pay to get our redemption if you believe in Jesus Christ, you will, you shall be saved. Amen? Right? Uh, that to become a Christian means that you have repented of your sin and you have now given your life to Christ to follow Him because only He alone made a sacrifice of His entire life so that you can be free from the bondage of sin. And for that, it cost us nothing. We receive the free gift of grace, but someone had to pay for it, and it wasn't, and it could not have been us. Because we are unqualified. I remember years ago, uh, when I used to have Andy Frame, you remember that? 
Years ago, I uh, went for an interview for Andy Frame. It used to be, I forget which, uh, which place it was on the north side. I'm like, man, they said, you'll definitely get that job. So I decided to, I took the bus and the L to get up there, and I went to the interview process, and I made it up there. And at that time, uh, there's some things I liked about myself. So when I got there for the interview, they said, okay, you check out here, you check out there. Uh, you're a student, so you can't work a lot of hours, but okay, we'll take you on the job. Oh, but there's one more question. They said, in order to be an anti-friend, you got to cut your sideburns. And you know what I told them? No way. I did not want that job bad enough to cut my sideburns that came down. I wanted the money, but I didn't want to pay the price to get it. See, Jesus Christ, he says, yes, he says that there is a price that you must pay to follow me. They said, Mr. Spencer, you have the job. It's yours. But all that we ask, that if you're going to represent us, you got to be clean shaven. And I got up and I walked away. So even though God's grace in Christ Jesus is of no charge to us, it requires great responsibility and stewardship on our behalf. So here are the necessary steps it requires uh, to follow Christ. Right? So remember, number one, that salvation is free. You don't have to do anything but accept Jesus Christ and, and, and the reality that you are a sinner. And he says, come as you are and you shall be saved. That's yours. But now Jesus says something different here. Uh, Jesus says the necessary steps are these. Number one, he says that a follower of me or a follower of Christ must deny themselves. You see that in verse 23? If anyone would come after me, let him or her do what? Let's try that one more time. If anyone would come after me, Jesus says, let him or her do what? Deny themselves. This is a mandate. It is not a suggestion. The disciples were required uh, to do these things. Uh, but what does it mean to deny yourself? Now, this is one of those tricky, uh, tricky things uh, that we must do as a follower of Christ. And to deny yourself uh, simply means to say no to yourself. You know, uh, one of the things about our kids today, well, some kids today, not all, definitely not our kids, is that they see something and they want something. And when they don't get what they want, they start to cry and act like a baby. And the fact, the more that you raise your kids like that, when they get old like, when they begin to get older, then they still begin to act like spoiled brats. Jesus says that if you are going to follow me, there are some things that you must say no to yourself about. Now, I must be clear, when I say that uh, we must say no to ourselves, that does not mean that we are to reject ourselves or our humanity. We are not to reject our personhood because all of us have been created in the image of God. 
But there are so many implications of saying no to yourself. Saying no to ourselves concerning things that we want but should not have at the moment in favor of a greater reward for the future. For instance, some people may have a deep desire to get a new iPhone. Amen? iPhone X, XR, XS, XS Max, or whatever the case may be. And some people want it so bad that they're willing to go into deep debt in order to get that silly phone. And at the end of the day, it'll end up being like my very first iPhone. Nothing but a brick. Some people uh, don't, uh, may not have enough money to eat, but they will take every dime that they have and buy a new phone. Why do they do this? Because they refuse to deny themselves. They refuse to wait. They refuse to say. They refuse to take them to the place so they can get it and they can actually afford it. But is Jesus referring to denying ourselves over some smartphone? Or does Jesus have other things in mind? Well, uh, for some, it could be the smartphone. You see, for some people, your phone could get in the way of your relationship with Christ. I'm not sure if you remember, but uh, this past Friday to Saturday from sundown to sunup was, uh, it was supposed to be National Unplug Day. Amen? But we're going to show them about unplugging during prayer and fasting. Amen? We're going to show them what it means, not just a few hours. We're going to, we're going to display to them what it means to, uh, to deny things in favor of our relationship to Christ. And again, one of the things our nation is dealing with today is the, uh, the deep debt, the astronomical debt, and the dysfunction in many households. Denying yourself could mean abstinence, however. It could mean denying yourself not being judgmental or not being flirtatious or denying that foul mouth that you have. Here's one, not eating more than you really need or denying yourself playing video games. I remember a time that when I used to say that, I used to always talk about kids. But one thing I know today is when I talk about video games, I'm talking about the children and I'm talking about the adults. Can you say amen? A believer must deny themselves to live a life separated from God. Uh, that doesn't even make sense. A believer deny themselves the desire to live a life separated of God. See, when you look at this passage, uh, verse 23, it says, And he and Jesus said to all, so he was probably talking to believer and unbeliever alike. So for the unbeliever, he was saying that you need to deny a life without him. For the believer, he was saying you need to deny that life that it looks like you're separated from me, and you need to give your life everything to me want to live and do things the way we want, in the manner that pleases us and not the Lord. And this is a problem, brothers and sisters. In other words, when you think you don't want to follow Jesus because of some kind of uh, preconceived notion about him, then you must deny the falsehoods and embrace the truth. You see, you really want to reject Jesus and his ways 
because you just think they don't suit you. You, know, you think about those Christians and how they act. You know what? I don't want no part of Jesus because if being a part of Jesus is being the way they are, I want nothing to do with it. But friends, I want you to know Jesus is not like that. Jesus is righteous. Jesus is holy. Jesus is just. You know, certain people have been in the news for a while now who refuse to deny the truth about anything, anything critical, or anything that shines a light on their malfeasance. They think by denying the truth, it will cause confusion in the minds of their critics, and then create a wave of support by those who are smart. You see, but refusing to deny truth, refusing to deny yourself of certain things, that ultimately it will make your life worse and not better. What do you want? Do you want a better life or do you want a worse life? Uh, and this is why Jesus tells us that when you are a sinner, that you must first confess your sin. You see, he's saying first tell the truth about yourself. Tell the truth about your situation. After you tell the truth about your situation, then you can begin to get healed. Denying yourself has an air of self-discipline, doesn't it? All built into it. But on the other hand, there's, and I know and you know, that there are plenty of people in life who have plenty of self-discipline. But they don't know Jesus Christ. And, and that type of self-discipline that does not include Christ is one that cannot, it is unable, doesn't have the power to deliver you eternity. Self-discipline devoid of Christ makes life better today. Sure, you might be okay today, but in the view of eternity, you will be lost. So Jesus tells us, deny ourselves. Deny yourself. You know as God speaking to you today. So first, Jesus says, if you're going to be a follower of me first, uh, you need to do what? You need to deny yourself. What do you need to do first? You need to do what? Deny yourself. Number two, there in verse 23, he says that a follower of Jesus, that you must carry your cross daily. Daily, you must carry your cross. Now, as you know by now, that a cross, it represents an instrument of death. And if it represents an instrument of death, uh, uh, is Jesus inviting us to a daily execution? But I thought that Jesus died for my sins, and Jesus, if you died for my sins, why are you telling me to carry my cross to my execution? During this time, uh, that uh, when Jesus said, carry your cross, uh, as you note in, the, in our passage, Jesus had not been crucified. You see that? Jesus had not been crucified yet. So obviously he knew about crucifixion because this is how they punish people. Amen? 
Uh, when you got in trouble, when you got in really big trouble with the Roman government, they crucified you on a cross. So Jesus, he was saying that you have to carry your cross. So what would happen was, if you were to be crucified, uh, you would carry on your back uh, the horizontal beam. This way. It went this way. And if you ever lift weights and you ever put that thing behind you like that and do squats and things like that, you know what I'm talking about. So you would have to carry that horizontal beam to your death. Talking about squats. Squatting to your death. Your execution. And then when you would make it to the site of your final execution, they would take the cross beam and put it on the vertical. And you would be here. So to carry the cross, you would carry the horizontal piece to your death. Step by step. Knowing some things that you have to deal with. Knowing what's coming up. But Jesus carried that cross. And if he did, why does he insist that we carry one? Because aren't you and I the reason that he died on the cross in the first place for our sins? And if he now asks us to carry our own cross and to carry our own cross daily, then how can Jesus be of help to us? If I got to do it for myself, then why do I need Jesus? First, yes, Jesus, uh, he did serve the main purpose of dying on the cross for our sins, for which we are all born sinners. And the curse uh, that we had upon us, it was because it was due to that sin. And that includes me and that includes you. We all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. No one is exempt from that curse, regardless of who you think you are. Regardless of, guess what? how bad you've been, regardless of how good you've been, regardless of how many old ladies you have helped across the street, regardless of how many people you have helped straighten up their yards, if you don't have Christ, you are a sinner. So he was not suggesting uh, that we would uh, die on the cross for our sins. Because then we would still remain separated from God. Uh, it would be ineffective at, 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 at solving, at, at, at God saying that your sins have been absolved and you have satisfied my wrath. Do you know that if you die for your sins, you know God's wrath is still on you? Did you know that? If you die for your sins, God's wrath is still on you after death. Period. But Jesus did it for us once and for all. So he says that we must take up our cross. That we must carry those burdens, those things that trouble us sometimes on a daily basis. We must take them up. Think of in terms of per diem. You know what a per diem is? So which uh, the money that one person receives for a living cost on a daily basis, basis when they're out of town uh, for work or something like that. Every day you get it. So per diem basically means per day, every day. 
So Jesus says that you must carry your cross. So your per diem is carrying the cross every day. And I admit to you that sometimes it's not easy following Jesus, is it? Now if you say that it's, it's always easy following Jesus, I need for you to come up here and preach in my stead. It's not easy when people try to manipulate you. It's not easy following Jesus uh, when you want to do the right thing on your job and everybody else isn't. In Hamlet, uh, some of you are familiar with Hamlet, uh, Shakespeare writes this, and I quote, To be honest, as the world goes, to be one man, it's tough to be one man in essence, uh, picked out of 10,000. It's tough to be one person out of a myriad of, of folks that's doing the, doing the right thing. I remember one year, one of my sons got in trouble. He got in a lot of trouble, one of my sons did. And, um, you know, and I just, I just asked him, I said, did you do it? He says, yeah, I, I did it. So they said, well, you know, you need to just say you didn't do it. What do you do? He said, I'm guilty of doing that or not guilty. I know I did it, but I'm going to say I didn't do it. What should I do? Well, everybody else does it. I said, but what is the truth? Well, you have to understand this. But what is the truth of the matter? You see, if you did it, you must suffer the consequences for your actions. And I know it's tough. There may have been 10,000, everybody saying the same thing. But if you know before God that you did what you said you did, how can you stand up in there and say that you didn't do it? Well, I know about our system, trust me. But that's the burden that is placed on those who are followers of Jesus Christ. It's not easy. The Lord knows it's not easy. Because we experience burdens every single day. But this would prepare uh, his followers for what was to come. Uh, Jesus said, you have to carry your cross every day. He had not been crucified, but Jesus knew that it was coming. So he was saying, he was prophesying to them, you have to learn to carry your burdens because in the future, there are going to be some people who would die because of the name of Jesus Christ. However, Jesus knew that if you were ever to identify with him, there would be a price to pay. And that price would be a sort of crucifixion from people who are not going to like you because of him. There are going to be some people that's not going to like you because of Jesus. Simple as that. Simple as that. Recall in the previous message, Jesus posed a question to his disciples. But who do you say I am? So if you know who Jesus is, then you must learn to carry your cross daily. Your answer to that all-important and significant question will allow you to live in such freedom, freedom as you've never had before. 
the reasons for this level of committed discipleship. Verses 24 and 25 in our passage. Why? And in other words, verse 23, if anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and let him take up his cross daily and follow me, right? But why? 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 Verse 24. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will what? Save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself or herself? What is the reason for this dramatic and low view of life and light of who Jesus is? You've tried many things in life, and what has it gotten you? Pretty much the same thing. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't know Jesus, how, how many doors have you knocked on? How many religious, uh, re religions have you decided to follow or thought about or add a little bit of this, a little bit of that into your own little religious or faith melting pot? How many have you come together in this witch's brew? Do you want to live the rest of your life that way? When are you going to say once and for all, I'm tired of that and I want Jesus, I want life, and I want that burden lifted off to me and I want to follow Christ. Jesus offers an alternative to us. He says whoever would save his life will actually end up losing. It doesn't, Jesus says things that don't make sense. I saved my life and by saving my life, I'm going to lose my life. Jesus says things that doesn't, you mean to tell me if I do my best to make sure I'm a good citizen, uh, to make sure I do all the right things, if I do all that, I'm going to lose my life? Jesus says, yes. He says, yes, you're going to lose your life. Because in order to gain your life, you have to give it over to him. I know. You just think God should just give you credit just for doing the right thing, right? You see, all of our effort and plans, they come down to nothing in comparison to Christ. And this message is about your life in light of Jesus Christ. So if you, your life doesn't measure up to the righteousness and the holiness of Jesus, then you are already in big trouble. But again, what does Jesus mean? Whoever would save their life would end up losing it. You see, it's not enough. Our efforts are not enough. Paul understood this, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 9, 24, he says, Do you not know that in a race all runners run? Aren't you in a race of life? But only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain. In other words, run in the way, in the race of life, so you may get the prize that you're really looking for. How are you going to do that? Uh, 25, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. So I do not run aimlessly. I do not box as one beating the air. You see, if you don't have Christ, all you're doing is shadow boxing. That's all you're doing. You just, uh, you, you may feel good for the moment. You know, sometimes I get on a treadmill. You know, I, I think I get on a treadmill plus other things about five days, sometimes six days a week. 
I get on a treadmill, you're just running into place, you know, and I'm one of those people, I can't have any earplugs in, you know, because I'm like, you know, if, if I start listening to something like that, I'll be really easily distracted. So I'd rather have a million things in front of me to look at like that than have one thing to really concentrate on to get me off my game, right? Uh, so you, you're just running, and sometimes it feels you like you're not doing anything. But you see, in the spiritual reality of life, all you're really doing, you're not making any progress. You're just running to no end. All you're doing is boxing in the air. You're punching hard. You might be sweating, but you are not knocking anybody out. No one is getting knocked out. So if you end up getting everything you always wanted in the world, but in the end you end up losing your very soul, what good were your efforts? In Luke 9.25, in the message, Eugene Peterson, he writes it like, like this. He says, what good would it do you to get everything you want and lose you, the real you? What good is it to work hard all day when your soul is in peril? What good does it do you to eat right every day and die with clear arteries if you end up in hell? What good is it to build a house for the homeless when your very soul will wander the earth without a spiritual home? What good is it? What good will all your activity get you in the end? Jesus presents this conditional statement. He says, if you are to follow me, right? If you follow me, if you deny yourself, right? If you take up your cross daily, you will save your life because you are coming after me. You know, it's really easy to give up hope when all things are done. It's easy. It's easy to feel sorry for yourself. It's easy to lock yourself in a room and don't want to move. It's easy. But your problems never go away, do they? Because when you come out of that room, guess what? Your problem is still going to be there. Amen? And when you finish sulking, your problem is still going to be there. But Jesus says, if you really want true life, do something about it and follow me and deny yourself and quit playing that worldly game. And taking up our cross and following Jesus. I admit to you that our Lord is asking us to do something profound, something difficult, so mind-blowing. That we try to make every excuse in the world not to obey, including reinterpreting scripture. Oh, that's not what that means. Uh, Jesus didn't mean that. Any excuse in the world not to follow him. <laughs> Surely. Jesus can't be saying to give up everything in favor of him in this kingdom. Oh, yes, he is. Therefore, we only think that he means giving up our non-belief. Well, he certainly means that we should give up non-belief, uh, but uh, is there something else? Well, maybe God wants you to give up smoking. Maybe God wants you to stop smoking. Because, you see, he wants to use you for many more years. And if you are smoking, you are cutting your life short. And if you are cutting your life short by every smoke that you inhale, right, everything that you smoke, then 
that means that you're taking time off of the end of your life and God can't use you, so he may have you to give that up. He doesn't want you to destroy your body that way. Jesus wants us to renounce what? Everything. Everything. Now, uh, this is not a cult. Can you say amen? All right? So I'm not saying, you know, that I'm the Christ because I'm not. I'm not saying follow me, am I? Oh, you can follow me as I follow Jesus. And if you have the word of God, you better make sure that you're following the word of God to make sure that I'm following Jesus. Because if you don't know I'm following the word of God, how do you know I'm following Jesus? He wants us to renounce everything. And, and while I'm talking, turn to Luke chapter 14. Luke 14, beginning in verse 25. Luke 14, beginning in verse 25. Jesus wants us to renounce everything and everyone in favor of him. That's right, including your dear wife, all those pretty children that you, that's right, your children, your job, everything that you have, all of that. That's right. Yep. Not me. I'm not telling you to do it for me. Because I don't want your stuff. i got enough of my own junk. Amen. Verse 25. Now great crowds accompany him, accompany him. And he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, he or she cannot be what? Hmm. My disciple. Whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me cannot what? Be my disciple. Uh, see? For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it, Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man or woman began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he is able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, he sends a delegation and asks for terms of peace. So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he or she has cannot be my what? Man, that's tough. Man, you Christians, why would you want to follow someone like that? But he opens his door to anyone to walk through. For anyone to have a relationship. He says if anyone and whoever, whoever he says at the heart of this message about following Christ, he does not discriminate. He wants you, he opens his arms wide. Brothers and sisters, discipleship requires a regular and continuous dedication to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. 
To follow after Jesus means to come behind him. That's what the original language says, to come behind him. In other words, what would happen is when you, if you were the rabbi, if you were the teacher, you would have your disciples. And anywhere that you would go, you would walk first and your disciples would walk behind you. Which simply meant this, that if your, if your teacher, if your rabbi walked ahead of you and if he fell in, in something, you would probably fall as well because you are walking in his steps. Jesus said in John, in, in, in the book of John, he says, look, the world hates me, and because they hate me, they're going to hate who? They're going to hate you. See, that's what it means to follow behind Christ. Deny yourself, Jesus says. Take up your cross. Follow Jesus. You know, again, there are people who insist before you work for them that you have to give them complete loyalty. Total loyalty. Total. If they do wrong, they want what? Your loyalty. If they lie, they want you to what? They want you to lie and be loyal. Jesus says that's not loyalty, that's foolishness. And Jesus says he wants your absolute loyalty. He'll never lie to you. He'll never treat you wrong. He'll comfort you. He is righteous. He'll answer your prayers. Why would you want to be loyal to someone like that? And he'll give you eternal life. Huh. Why not uh, pledge your loyalty to him? Not to me. Amen. Not to me, but to Jesus Christ. I want you to know that if you follow Jesus, that it requires loyalty. By denying yourself, facing your burdens, but always continuously following him. Let's pray. Again, Jesus, we do love you. You're doing great things in our life. And Lord God, for some of us, that word we just heard, man, was that a challenge. Lord God, how can we look at our husband or our wife and give loyalty to you over them? Lord Jesus, how can we look at our children and give loyalty to you over them? The Father, you help us to realize that one day all of them can be flaky. One day they can change their mind about how they feel about us. But the one consistent that we will have in our life the time to accept Jesus all the way to eternity is that Lord Jesus you'll never leave us and you always comfort us you always encourage us in so many different ways so we are grateful for all things and how you continue to press into our life and push us to be better Christians how you even ask those who do not belong to Christ do you belong to him?
Do you belong to me, Jesus says. So, Father, as we pray at this moment, we ask the question, is there anyone in here that does not know Christ and you want that relationship